friend, and welcome to episode 24 of this Bible study podcast series, Reading Through the Gospel of Luke. We're past the halfway point. We got 47 episodes of this series, and we're on 24, so we are past halfway. How does it feel? If you've been here the whole time, congratulations. I'm so glad that you're continuing to do this with me, as today we have Luke chapter 11, verses 29 through chapter 12, verse 3 which I said yesterday uh, is kind of different than the original reading plan. If you've been following along with that, kind of adjusted a little bit. So we've got a few extra verses at the beginning and uh, a few extra verses at the end here, which depending on your Bible, where we end in uh, verse 3 of chapter 12 might come in like the middle of a section based on how your Bible may like section off uh, the verses, uh, but that is that is where we'll where we will wrap up at verse three of chapter twelve today. So, enough of this. Let's get into the reading. Let's pray. Come, Holy Spirit, open up our hearts and minds to the truth of your word. While still more people were gathering in the crowd, he said to them, "This generation is an evil generation. It seeks a sign, but no sign will be given it except the sign of Jonah." Just as Jonah became assigned to the Ninevites, so will the Son of Man be to this generation. At the judgment, the Queen of the South will rise with the men of this generation, and she will condemn them, because she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and there is something greater than Solomon here. At the judgment, the men of Nineveh will arise with this generation and condemn it, because at the preaching of Jonah they repented, and there is something greater than Jonah here. No one who lights a lamp hides it away or places it under a bushel basket, but on a lampstand, so that those who enter may see the light. The lamp of the body is your eye. When your eye is sound, then your whole body is filled with light, but when it is bad, then your body is in darkness. Take care, then, that the light in you not become darkness. If your whole body is full of light and no part of it is in darkness, then it will be as full of light as a lamp illuminating you with its brightness." After he had spoken, a Pharisee invited him to dine at his home. He entered and reclined at table to eat. The Pharisee was amazed to see that he did not observe the prescribed washing before the meal. The Lord said to him, O you Pharisees, although you cleanse the outside of the cup and the dish inside, you are filled with plunder and evil. You fools! Did not the maker of the outside also make the inside? But as to what is within, give alms, and behold, everything will be clean for you. Woe to you, Pharisees! You pay tithes of mint and of rue and of every garden herb, but you pay no attention to the judgment and to love for God. Those you should have done without overlooking the others. Woe to you, Pharisees! You love the seat of honor in synagogues and greetings in marketplaces. Woe to you! You are like unseen graves over which people unknowingly walk. Then one of the scholars of the law said to him in reply, Teacher, by saying this you are insulting us too. And he said, Woe also to you, scholars of the law! You impose on people burdens hard to carry, but you yourselves do not lift one finger to touch them. Woe to you! You build the memorials of the prophets whom your ancestors killed, and consequently you bear witness and give consent to the deeds of your ancestors, for they killed them, and you do the building. Therefore the wisdom of God said, I will send to them prophets and apostles. Some of them they will kill and persecute in order that this generation might be charged with the blood of all the prophets shed since the foundation of the world, from the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, who died between the altar and the temple building. Yes, I tell you, this generation will be charged with their blood. 
Woe to you, scholars of the law! You have taken away the key of knowledge. You yourselves did not enter, and you stopped those trying to enter. When he left, the scribes and Pharisees began to act with hostility toward him and to interrogate him about many things, for they were plotting to catch him at something he might say. Meanwhile, so many people were crowding together that they were trampling one another underfoot. He began to speak first to his disciples, Beware of the leaven, that is, the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. There is nothing concealed that will not be revealed, nor a secret that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have said in the darkness will be heard in the light, and what you have whispered behind closed doors will be proclaimed on the housetops. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Okay, so we begin with a very delayed response to something that was asked of Jesus yesterday. As we kind of mentioned that they requested of Jesus a sign. And then Jesus has this delayed response a little bit later here in verse 29 where he says, This generation is an evil generation. It seeks a sign, but no sign will be given it except the sign of Jonah. What exactly does that mean? If we recall the story of Jonah, it's a pretty short book in, in the Bible, and it's probably one of our one of our well-known Old Testament stories of the prophet Jonah, who God tells him to go to the Ninevites and to preach repentance to them, but Jonah doesn't want to go, so he tries to run away, then gets thrown into the sea and swallowed by a whale. He sits in the belly of the whale for three days, three nights, and gets spouted back out and goes and preaches to the Ninevites, and they repent. So, What the sign of Jonah is, Jesus says that what Jonah was to the Ninevites, Jesus is to this generation. That Jonah had this preaching of repentance to the Ninevites, calling them to repent. It's the same thing as as Jesus. That this sign of Jonah is this preaching for conversion and repentance that Jesus comes with. His, His primary message, the first thing he said, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. That the sign of Jonah is Jesus coming in and preaching the same way that he did to the Ninevites. Repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. And Jesus gives two examples of two groups of people. Well, well, one person and another group of people. He, he references this queen of the south who came to hear the wisdom of Solomon. Now that's a reference to 1 Kings chapter 10, verses 1 through 10. Uh, which essentially reads this. I'll just read parts of it. But it says, the queen of Sheba... Having heard a report of Solomon's fame, came to test him. And it goes on. The queen of Sheba, after speaking with Solomon, says, I did not believe the report until I came and saw with my own eyes your wisdom and prosperity surpass the report I heard. So she comes after this testing. The queen comes to test Solomon, but uh, she believes. She hears, hears the words. So the queen comes to test Solomon, which... I think the, re- the reason Jesus references this story is that the Jews are similarly trying to test Jesus, asking him for a sign. Yet the queen of Sheba believed Solomon's words. She came and heard Solomon's words and, and believed in him and, and the, the glorious splendor of Solomon. And she was converted. While these Jews maybe are, are not, believe, not quite believing uh, without this need for a sign. The other group Jesus mentions, again, are the, the Ninevites, a similar reference to Jonah. That He says, at the preaching of Jonah, the Ninevites repented. Uh, likewise, similar to the queen, they believed Jonah's words and they were converted. Whereas Jesus, the people that Jesus is talking to, maybe aren't quite hearing his words and converting the way that these two did. But while the queen 
believed and converted to Solomon's words and the Ninevites believed and converted to Jonah's words, Jesus says something greater than Solomon is here. Something greater than Jonah is here. So if the queen and the Ninevites converted at their words, how much more should this people believe and be converted by the words of Jesus? Because he is much greater than Solomon or Jonah. He goes on and he gives kind of this this simile of light. Um, And verse 33 right there, we've heard before. If we go back to chapter 8, Verse 16, if you recall, there's like this brief section in chapter 8 where there are three phrases where I said, we'll see these later in just random spots. Um, One of those is right here in verse 33. Uh, Jesus says, no one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, that your light is, is meant to shine. And he says that the lamp of the body is the eye, that what we observe with our eye either brings us light or darkness and that we should take care to keep that light shining in us. Which I think could be connected a little in some way to this general theme that Jesus has had of hearing God's word and acting on it, that we receive the light of Christ and we allow it to shine and not allow ourselves to be uh, to be brought to darkness. Maybe that's a little bit of a stretch. This is, <laughs> It's kind of thrown in there. The, the Bible uh, and the gospel here is not always seamlessly transitioning but um it is what it is and we get to after jesus is talking about this is he's invited to a pharisee's house for dinner and we've seen this before in a few places we've seen this before we'll see it again how about the pharisees invite jesus for dinner uh so a dinner with the pharisees and the scholars of the law or the scribes and i'll continue i'll call them the scribes as we go through this because it's easier than scholars of the law so jesus when he arrives he says the Pharisees are mad because he didn't observe the prescribed washing before the meal. Now, in Matthew and Mark's gospel, it doesn't say this here in Luke's, but Matthew and Mark's, the washing is referred to as the tradition of the elders, which is important because that means it's not part of like the Mosaic law. So Jesus isn't just dismissing something that is like actually required by Mosaic law. He's just dismissing something that's like a little extra thing that the Pharisees were super nitpicky about that goes beyond the Mosaic law, uh, which is kind of the tendency of the Pharisees to do this. And thus begins the roast of the Pharisees and the scribes by Jesus for the rest of uh, most of this section. He begins with the Pharisees. He says, Although you cleanse the outside of the cup and the dish inside, you are filled with plunder and evil. I think this is kind of the heart of, of it, of Jesus' message to the Pharisees, that they have all these ritual practices, all the external things, but it's not internalized, that their hearts aren't really converted. Uh, And Jesus says, you fools! (laughs) He says, but as to what is within, give alms, and behold, everything will be clean for you. Which I think is a, maybe a message for us there as well, that almsgiving does something for us interiorly when it is connected to some kind of internal disposition and it's not just an external like i'm gonna give alms to to look good because then jesus says to to the pharisees you pay tithes of mint and rue and of every garden herb but you pay no attention to judgment and to love for god so he's not condemning the proper tithing i mean leviticus chapter 27 verse 30 talks about this the necessary tithing and the pharisees observe that observe it well at least externally but he says 
these you should have done without overlooking the others. The others being love for God. That there's, while they have these external practices, a lack of intention and a lack of love for God internally. This is what Jesus says that they need to cultivate in themselves. He also says about the Pharisees that they love the seat of honor in marketplaces and in synagogues, but are unseen graves over which people unknowingly walk. This is a, this is a tough line from Jesus. If we read uh, the book of Numbers, chapter 19, verse 16, it says, Moreover, everyone who in the open country touches a person who has been slain by the sword or who has died naturally or who touches a human bone or a grave will be unclean for seven days. That the Mosaic law was if you walked on a grave, if you touched a grave, it would make one unclean. So Jesus essentially calls these Pharisees unseen graves over which people, unknow- people unknowingly walk. That the people look up to and come to the Pharisees because of their kind of external pious practices, but are essentially being led astray by them because the Pharisees don't have this internalized faith. That's, that's a tough phrase for the Pharisees. What Jesus is calling out of the Pharisees is kind of two things to sum this up is one, they have they focus too much on the externals, but not enough on the internals, that they're not actually internally converted. And two, that they enjoy these honors and they find themselves in like high places that people look up to them, but by doing so, they're leading people astray. That's the message Jesus gives to the Pharisees, and then the scribes get their turn to get roasted, because one of the scribes says, Teacher, by saying this, you're insulting us too. And Jesus, instead of saying, oh, I'm sorry that I insulted you, he says, woe to you too, and begins to roast them. He says the scribes impose burdens on people and don't do anything to ease them, that they simply just make life hard for people. He says they build the memorials of prophets whom your ancestors killed. Jesus says that they're perpetuating the evil of persecuting the prophets in the past. But Jesus says, the wisdom of God said, I will send to them prophets and apostles. Some of them they will kill and persecute. So in a way, Jesus is connecting uh, the Old Testament prophets and the New Testament apostles of Jesus and says that they, as the, as the prophets were persecuted, so will the apostles be persecuted. Um, but that from the blood of Abel to Zechariah, and why those two names, kind of a side note, why those two names, Abel? is the first murder in the Old Testament. Zechariah is the last murder in the Old Testament. Um, Jesus says, the wisdom of God said that this generation will be charged with their blood. That these scribes, essentially, have inherited the sin of persecuting those sent by God. That as as in the Old Testament, the prophets were persecuted, so will the scribes continue that sin of persecuting those sent by God in Jesus and his apostles. And lastly, what Jesus says of the scribes is, You have taken away the key of knowledge. You yourselves did not enter, and you stopped those trying to enter. That the scribes, in some way, by their actions and their words and their deeds, are blocking people from heaven, from the kingdom, as they don't, as they refuse to receive this good word of the gospel. So to sum up the the denunciation of the scribes from Jesus is three things. One, that they make life unnecessarily hard for people. Two, that they perpetuate the persecution of God's sent people. And three, that in some way they're kind of blocking people, preventing people from heaven. 
and from being receptive to God's word. And it says, when Jesus left, the scribes and Pharisees began to act with hostility toward him and to interrogate him about many things, for they were plotting to catch him at something he might say. That here is kind of the the intro to the a real moment of like real hostility between Jesus and the Pharisees and scribes, and now begins the plot to arrest Jesus that we will see continued to be played out as Jesus moves towards Jerusalem and once he arrives, this plot to to catch Jesus and to arrest him for something that he says. Why? Because their egos were hurt, because their pride was was hurt, just because Jesus called them out for things that they didn't want to hear. But it says that after dinner, and kind of the last section here as we begin, I'm including this, just the first few verses of chapter 12, because they kind of connect to what we have just been talking about. It says, after dinner, there's a crowd so massive that they're trampled underfoot. Other translations I've read said crowd in the thousands, so many people. But Jesus says to them, beware of the leaven, that is the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. That really, this is kind of at the at the heart of Jesus's message that the Pharisees are hypocrites and that they don't, they don't walk the walk. Um, but we too should not be hypocrites. So this is the message for us too, because Jesus says there is nothing concealed that will not be revealed, nor secret that will not be known, that eventually all things and all intentions will eventually be revealed. So you and I too should check our hearts uh, that we may not be like the Pharisees or like the crowd of people testing Jesus for a sign, um, to not be like any of these who test Jesus or who are hypocritical, but for us to be obedient to the words of Christ and thought and deed, and that our intentions match our actions, that we really internalize this word of God and take it to heart so that our hearts may be converted so that we're brought to a place of repentance, so that our words and actions may be conformed to the words of Christ. My friends, I hope that that was good for you today. So thankful you're here with me. Can't wait to do it again tomorrow. Let's pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen.